Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. It's an amazing thing to admire and worship God before you start asking things because I get reminded of who I'm talking to. I've just got done exhausting my mind of admiring him and I'm like, man, he created the heavens and earth. There's nothing he can't do. He loves everybody. He can do anything. I just, I'm in the right state of mind to be talking to him. I'm reminding myself. I'm not telling him anything he doesn't know, but I'm being reminded as I do so. As I worship him, I'm being reminded of, man, who he is. How worthy is of my worship? And so admiration. So I, I admire God. I worship God. Then first thing on the list, confess my sins. When we decide to follow Jesus, it's easy to grow weary in our prayer life. Whether it's feeling like our prayers go unanswered or that it's redundant because he knows all things. Oftentimes, we don't stay committed to prayer. Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that God is beckoning you to be in communion with him through prayer. It doesn't matter how distant you feel, God is always listening and never leaves your side. He delights in your prayers. Speak to Him without ceasing and feel closer than you ever have before. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 6 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. All right, so look at Judges chapter 6. We're going to jump right into verse 1. It says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. So the cycle begins again. You know, they had had a season of peace. You guys remember the last battle was Deborah. You know, the last chapter was a song of Deborah who was celebrating chapter four when they had their victory with Barak um, and JL and, and Deborah and all them. And so um, they had a season of peace and now they, they're doing it again. You know, they did evil in the sight of the Lord again. And I would just point out to us, because many of us, this is what this can be for some people what their Christian experience is like. There are some people that they, it's, it's very seasonal. They'll do good with the Lord for a little while. Then they'll fall all the way off or they'll fall off and then you don't see them for a while. Or they're not doing this. They're not doing as well. And then eventually they really need God. And so they finally get their act together. And um, it's sad. But I've seen this just being in church for a long time. I know people who would claim to be Christians that I usually see them when they have a great need for God to do something. When that need is met, um, they tend to go back to, it's like they have another life that they prefer. But in these extreme moments right now, I really need them. What I'm blown away with is the fact that, you know, that God allows that, that they, when, when they come, that he listens. As I read through this, I'm blown away that every time they cry out, God still listens. Um, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so what God allowed was for the enemy to punish them. God allowed them to be taken captive by the Midianites and they're oppressing them. Verse two, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves and the strongholds, which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown Midianites would come up. Also, Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up to their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land and destroy it. So, let me bring this home for you and me. Basically, the, this is an agricultural society. So the people of 
you know, the, the people of Israel would, you know, they would sow their fields. They would, you know, plow them, sow them. The, all the hard labor that they would have to do over the course of, you know, the different seasons. They would have to trust the Lord for the rain. And eventually harvest time would come. The grain would sprout up. It would be time to harvest the grain and take it and pluck it out. And normally they would go to something called the threshing floor. It would be on a hilltop so that the wind would blow. They would take a pitchfork and you would, you know, get the weed or whatever. You would throw it up and the, the, the wind would blow the chaff away and just the good stuff would fall down. And they would just do that process over and over again until you separated the wheat and the chaff and you take all the weed and that was your harvest. Every time Midian would have harvest time, it says right at harvest time that all the enemies would come. So the, the, the Midian, so every time the Israelites, I'm sorry, were harvesting, the Midianites, it says the Amalekites and some of the other people from the east, they would come and just jack all their produce. It would be like this. Most of you guys, most of us work, and I don't know if you get paid once a week, by week, by you know, every other week, once a month. But it would be like, let's say you got paid bi-weekly. So every other week you get a check. You worked all week. I mean, you went to work every single day, five days a week. You put in your time. You made that check, and you got your check. And let's say you had to go cash it at a certain place. And every time you went, you went in there, you cashed your check, you got your cash. Cash your hand, put an envelope on your way out the door. Imagine that every time you got paid, somebody was at the door saying, let me have it. And they just took the whole thing. The whole thing. They don't care about your babies. They don't care about your wife at home. They don't care about, I don't care about nothing that you have to do. I don't care about none of that. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't fight hard enough. They'll want you, kill you. There's nothing you can do. Can you imagine what that would feel like? That's, that's the picture of oppression. Some of y'all look angry just hearing it. Some of y'all like, I would, I would do something. You know, I'd pop a cap, I'd do something. But the, 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 rea the reality for them was there was nothing they could do. They were just oppressed. They were under the thumb of the enemy. And so not only did they didn't eat, now their animals didn't eat. So again, it's an agricultural society. I need my oxen to plow. I need my, I, you know, I need my sheep for, for clothing when it gets cold. I need all these other things. I got skinny sheep. I got depleted oxen. I mean, nobody's eating good. They're taking everything that we own. They're just oppressing and, 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 and doing this to us. Now, I read this and I start to feel bad for Israel. Like, man, that's, that's a, what, a, what, a, what a terrible predicament. But why are they in this predicament? How'd they get here? You know, how, how come this is being allowed? How come, the, how come God's people are being allowed? That, how come God's allowing them to be oppressed so severely? And it, it comes back to what they did. And so we'll come to that in just a moment. Look at verse six. It says, so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it says that. Because of this, they were so impoverished, they were broken down that they finally cried out. They cried out to the Lord. Well, we've seen from the several other stories that we looked at so far, this is the pattern. When they finally come to the point where they cry out, and I, I believe it's important that they don't whisper out, um, they finally get to a place and they're, they're so broken, they just cry out to the Lord. There's a, there's a fervency about how they reach out to the Lord. They're saying, God help. They're crying out. And when they finally get to that point. Now, this time it, it, it took, you know, it takes different amount of years every time. But they finally come to a point where they cry out to the Lord. If you're writing notes, I'd like you to write down a couple of verses just to have for your benefit. Write down Psalm 119, verse 67 and 71. Psalm 119, I'm going to read these both to you. Verse 67 and verse 71, it says this. 67 says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. Verse 71 says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. 
And in both of those things, you know, the psalmist is saying, look, it was good for me that, that I used to I was going astray. But it was it was the affliction that brought me back to a place where I came back to the Lord. Anybody here ever been brought back to God through affliction? Um, OK, look at all those hands. You know, many of us that have, that it was through affliction, through difficulty, through hard times that we said, OK, OK, you got me. I got to give up. You know, I repent. You know, I'll, I'll come back. You know, we the Lord will use whatever it takes. Now, does God allow affliction because he hates us? No. In the same way that a parent, you don't discipline your kid because you hate them. The Bible says you discipline them because you what? You love them. God says, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this to you guys. I love you guys. And y'all don't y'all won't get it no other way. And so if this is what it takes for you to finally cry out. If this is what it takes for you to finally recognize your need for me, I'm gonna let you go through it. Here's a difficult thing from a, as, a, as a person, as a human being, I, I'll watch a person just run amok, act a fool, do bad. And then I'll watch it catch up with them. And I'll see that they're finally coming to the, you praying for them the whole time. Lord, would you help them come back to you? God, would you allow them to, we just want to see them back with you. And then God starts to do the very thing that are going to bring them back. But it's painful things. And you know what we do? God, now I'm praying that you would stop that. Lord, Lord, heal them of that. Lord, Lord, give them back that thing. Lord, bless them back. And God said, no, 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 no. This is what I'm doing to bring them. This, this is what's going to bring them around right now. They're, right now, I got them right where I want them. I, I have them in a place where they're looking to me. There's a desperation that I don't have their attention like this any other time. I've, I've learned people don't like it. There are times where I pray for people and I, I always, always, always leave room. Lord, but your will be done because you know what you're doing. I pray what I would want if I were them. God, if I were them, I would want to be healed. So I pray you'd heal them. Lord. I know you can, but your will be done. If you're doing something greater than healing, Lord, then you do that. God, I pray you would give them back that thing that they lost. If that's what I would want if I were them. But if you're doing something greater and taking it away, then God, you do the greater thing. You know what you're doing. You're sovereign. You love them more than I can love them. Your will is perfect. And so don't be afraid to pray that. Some people don't like, you know, you pray that with somebody. I prayed like that for somebody and they tried to come behind my prayer and pray it right. They were like, Lord, we just going to believe you. I said, no, I, I believe it. It's not a matter of belief. I believe God. I believe God can do anything. He, he created the universe. You know, it's not a matter of believing God. It's a matter of knowing what the will of God is. Amen. And so sometimes affliction is a good thing. Affliction can be the tool that brings us back to the Lord. In the story of the prodigal son, it was the affliction that caused him to come to himself. It was when he was sitting in the, 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 the thing, the pig sty with, you know, slop in his hand, thinking about eating pig's food, that he says he came to himself and said, what am I doing? My dad's got servants living better than his. I'm going home, you know, but it was affliction. He had to get brought low. Some people got to get brought low before they look high and we don't want to be interrupting that process. You know, there's a there's a part of all of us that's merciful and tender and nobody, no Christian likes to see anybody else hurt. I get that. I don't either. I, I don't like to see people hurting, but I'm learning that sometimes God's like, look, I, I couldn't I couldn't get them to talk to me at all. But right now they're talking to me daily. Let, let, let them stay here for a minute. Let, let them let them be here a while. I'm doing something through this. And so. Um, the psalmist said it was good that I was afflicted because before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I will keep your statutes. Now you got me. Now I'm yours. And so what God is doing here, you know, it's through the affliction that they finally say I'm crying out. So step one, I said um, I titled it uh, first steps to revival. The first step to revival um, I see here in verse six is fervent prayers, crying out to the Lord. If there's going to be revival in your life, and I'm not speaking about, you know, we, we would love to see revival in the church, revival in a community. But first, God wants to revive us. Revival starts first with individual people. So maybe wherever we're at today in our walk with the Lord, if we want to be revived in it, 
One first thing would be just a fervent crying out to the Lord. What's your prayer life like? Do you cry out to the Lord? Does God, does God have your attention? Because you don't only have to pray fervent prayers when things are going wrong. Amen? We can, we can have ongoing intercession. We can have ongoing prayer. Our, our prayer life can be lit without the need for things falling apart. Our, our life don't have to be falling apart for our prayer life to be on point. And so um, for some of us, here's the time to look at that. You know, God, I'm, I'm, I need to... I need to get into a place. I need to have a regular rhythm of, of, of just conversing with you and having a prayer life. What's your prayer life like? Real quick, this is not part of my study tonight, but you know, if you find that you struggle with that, you know, maybe you maybe you only pray for your food, if that. <laughs> maybe you only pray for what you would like to have. Maybe you only pray for these other things. Here's here's a here's here's a a, a, a real quick thing that you know if you want to lay out before the Lord and have like I'm gonna have a time of prayer. Um, I was going over this with a brother earlier. It's, a, it's an acronym. I've been using this for years. It's kind of born out of the Lord's Prayer. You know, the Lord's Prayer, if you break it down, um, there's a, an aspect of just honoring, giving awe and admiration to the Lord, recognizing that he's the father. Um, you know, you look for your needs. You ask for forgiveness. You pray for other people. Um, you give him glory. You give him worship. So years ago, I found this thing. I, I, would, I would lay down on my floor and pray. And it would be kind of sporadic, but I would pray until I, had, I prayed about everything I think of. I just got a scatterbrain and I would get done. And there are times where I look back and say, oh, I forgot to pray for them. I forgot to deal with that thing right here. And so the acronym is all SIPA, six letters. It's A-W-C-I-P-A. And what I had did, this was years ago, but when I first learned it, I was just the first five minutes or however many, I didn't time it, but I was just first chunk of time just going to admire God. Everything I can think of that's admirable by God. God, I thank you for your creation. You created the heavens and the earth. Lord, you're, you're, I thank you for loving sinners. I thank you for, you know, just I'm admiring God for who he is, the things that he's done that just make him awesome to me and all of God. Then you worship. Now I'm going to spend some time now just offering up my worship to the Lord. Uh, some of us like to sing. I like to sing. Um, you know, I'll, I'll sing. I'll sing a tune to the Lord. You can't sing a tune. You can make a joyful noise. You can hum one. Uh, you can just speak your praise to the Lord. Where you're just speaking his worth to him, but you can sing it. You can speak it however you do that. But right now I'm just worshiping. Just all focused on him. It's an amazing thing to admire and worship God before you start asking things because I get reminded of who I'm talking to. I've just got done exhausting my mind of admiring him and I'm like, man, he created the heavens and earth. There's nothing he can't do. He loves everybody. He can do anything. I just, I'm in the right state of mind to be talking to him. I'm reminding myself. I'm not telling him anything he doesn't know, but I'm being reminded as I do so. As I worship him, I'm being reminded of, man, who he is, how, how worthy is of my worship. And so admiration. So I, I admire God. I worship God. Then first thing on the list, confess my sins. And however long you need, for some of you, it's like five minutes, some of y'all would be there 15 minutes just doing that. Um, I do believe when we confess our sins, it's to be specific. I don't think when you confess your sins to God, it can't be like this. God, I pray you just forgive me for all this stuff I might have done yesterday that was wrong. That's not how it goes. God, I ask you forgive me for saying those words to that person. It's very specific. You know what you did. And when you lay there for that moment to confess your sins, it'll all come back to you. You, you apologize for how you spoke to your kids, how you talked to your wife, what you thought in your mind, which, you know, you everybody here knows the wickedness that you do. And so this is a time to just get clean before God. You confess it all. He knows anyway, but he requires this of you. So confession, just just the vomit of the soul. Get clean before God. Um, then eyes intercession. Right now, I'm just this 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 entire time. I'm focused on other people. 
everybody, you might break out a list that you have. You pray for people. If you have a list of people that you're lifting up, and you're praying for people, this person needs a job. This person has a sickness. This person is battling this. This person is having an issue in their marriage. This person's kids are going. You just pray for all those people. This is just about them right now, interceding for others. Uh, then the P, your own petitions. I'm lifting up my own. This is Now this is the time for me to lift up my own needs, wants, concerns, desires before the Lord. And then the last A, so it's all SIPA, A-W-C-I-P-A, is just to admire God some more. On my way out, I'm just going to admire him for who he is once again. So if you're weak or struggling or battling in your prayer life, that's just a, it's a little model for you to lay out. And uh, I have found that as I, as I gave a little bit of order and structure to my prayer life, um, I feel like I covered everything, you know, uh, now, you know, I, I spend time praying in the spirit, you know, in my private prayer life as well. So, um, but this is, this is, I pray in the understanding that's that part. And then I also pray in the spirit. And so, um, in both cases, it's like, man, this is just have that time with the Lord. And so I'm encouraging you guys here as much as I feel like I'm always encouraging you guys in the word, but this other part of our walk, um, we want to have, we want to have, a. uh, because of the the privileged prayer is right non-believers can't even do what we can do we have access into prayer by the blood of the lamb and so we don't want to be forfeiting this wonderful privilege and opportunity that the lord has afforded for us amen, amen. and so our prayer life so we want to be taking these things to the lord look at verse seven now it says and it came to pass so after they cried out to the lord it came to pass that the children of israel cried out to the lord because of the midianite verse eight that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but... You have not obeyed my voice. So in verses eight and 10, the second part of revival, um, being made aware of what we've done wrong. Right now, the way that God makes them aware here is he sends a prophet. Right. God doesn't let them off. Look, you guys are crying out. But but I want God's like, I want y'all to know why y'all in this predicament. This happens and it kills me. It kills me. And I'm going to tell this to y'all right now. I'll see people that they did stuff that they shouldn't do. They sinned against God. They entered into relationships they shouldn't have been in. They made babies with people they shouldn't have made babies. They went out and stole stuff they shouldn't have stole. Then when it's all falling apart, they're like, I don't know why God's doing this. I don't know why God's allowing this. And I'll be sitting there like, God, it's not God's fault. This, you can't blame God on that. This, you did this. You did this and you did this and you, you sinned against God to do it. And now you're blaming him for the outcome. No, 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 no. You're reaping what you have sown. And so there's a vast difference between a trial where God allows challenges and difficulties in the life of a child of God who's innocent and, and reaping and sowing. And I want us to know the difference, because if you treat reaping and sowing like a trial, you're not going to get the right result. If, if I've sown bad, now I'm reaping bad and I'm acting like I'm in a trial, I'm going to pray wrong, believe wrong, and I'm not going to do the right things to get out of it. If the bad things that are happening in my life are a result of the fact that I've sown bad. Now I'm reaping bad. I'm going to repent of having sown bad, ask for mercy for the mistakes I've made and stop sowing bad and start sowing good. Then eventually my good sowing will start to be reaped and I'll, I'll, I'll make my way out of that bad situation to the glory of God. If I'm over here and I'm in a legitimate trial, God, I was obeying you, walking with you, doing what you said do, and then that happened. 
like Joseph, like Job. No sin, no disobedience, no like Daniel, right? Those were trials. These are people that in obedience to God, they were living, they were walking, and then God allowed some difficulty in their life. Um, well, now if I'm in that trial, I can say, God, I, I obeyed. I'm, I'm living right. I'm doing what you said do. And so this must be for my benefit. There must be something in this trial for me. And so give me strength to endure. Give me eyes to see what you're doing when it's time for me to know. But just help me to endure. Help me to get through this. Help me to get every lesson out of it. That's a different, this is different scenarios. And so here, God doesn't, they cry out, help, help, help. But God's like, well, first I'm going to let y'all know why y'all here. And God sent a prophet, right? I was talking to my daughter about this earlier. We're talking about, we look at, you know, Old Testament um, and, you know, you, go, you start Genesis and you're like, God was always talking to the people directly. You know, he's right there. Right. Then as you stretch out a little bit, you see that God was always sending prophets to speak to the people. And then, you know, we get to the New Testament and then we get to the church age now. And it's like, you know, God's the same yesterday, today and forever. But the needs have been different. Did Adam and Eve have a Bible? If God didn't speak, they wouldn't know. Amen? Amen. So it was necessary for God to interact with them in that kind of way. As you stretch out a little bit from there, God was sending the prophets. Why? Because there was no written word yet. There was the books hadn't been compiled yet in that way. And so how would they know the will of God, the word of God, the desires of God? Unless God said, I got to I got to anoint certain people and gift them specifically to send them to you with my words on their lips. Um, and so that that was happening. Then I just wanted to point that out because as we, we we're in a place today where we have the we have we have the whole word of God. And so, you know, it's this is not a new thing that Satan has done. But just like back here, what does Satan do? You read the large prophet prophetic books, Jeremiah and Isaiah. What, what was Satan always doing? Sending false prophets because all y'all got is these guys words. And so now you got to have words. You got you to have a way to decipher the real from the fake. They had a way to decipher real from the fake. You know how? How many fake prophecies did a false prophet get to tell? Just one. You get to be wrong one time. So if you were a prophet and that was your office, that was a reverent work. You didn't walk around like, I feel like God should, you know, I'm going to just say this, you know. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, today, I'm telling you, I'm saying this because it happens. There are people that take it so lightly and they're walking through a church of people that just start telling you whatever they want to tell you. They ain't got a word from God. I've had people lie. I, I go back to them and say, you lied on God. Are you afraid? I'm scared for you. You lied on God. I've had people speak non-prophetic, I've had prophetic words spoken that were from the Lord, verified, came to pass, and I make sure and let them know. Whenever someone speaks to me and it's a word of the Lord, I make sure and let them know that was the word of the Lord for me. And I, I receive that, praise the Lord. But I'm just as faithful on the flip side when people lie on God. And I've had people in churches, ministers, otherwise, Clint has had somebody um, <laughs> prophesy lie over his life and tell him his mother was from somewhere she wasn't from and all kind of mess, you know. Um, we just need to be very discerning because the word of the Lord is a big deal. It's a big deal that God will speak to us, that God will reveal things. God's never wrong, never makes a mistake. He's never wrong even a little bit. Um, as you read through the scriptures, you'll find that the prophetic words are usually very specific. Right. God's going to tell people things. Like, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you when it's going to happen. I'm going to tell you who's going to happen through and to. And so it's, I, I could look at that and say, we're going to know by next week if that was from the Lord or not. These words that be going, God's going to bless you if you just keep going. Well, bless me how? If I just keep doing where? You know, and, and if he doesn't, is it because I didn't do it? Now that's a conditional blessing. It leaves all this room for, you know, it's like, y'all be careful. Y'all be careful. And for those of us that move in those gifts, you be careful. 
You be careful. Don't don't be, don't 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 ever hold back what the Lord gives, and don't ever lie on the Lord. It's a big deal. And back then, you only got to do it once. In my life, you only get to lie on God to me once. I don't. If you lie on God to me one time, I'll never acknowledge you as a person with that gift. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Judges. This was an interesting season for the people of Israel, being led by various judges as they delivered the people from a variety of enemies. You see, real faith lived out through these judges. There was much war and opposition going on, but God was faithful in delivering his people. Do you notice God's deliverance in your everyday life? He's aware of all that's going on, and He cares about bringing you out of those times of oppression. There's much more to learn from the book of Judges, and we hope you come back to hear what God speaks to you personally. If you missed any messages from this series, we encourage you to visit calvaryinglewood.org to hear more in Judges. There's also a free mobile app where you can access all of our messages too. Just go to calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, you'll notice links to Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Feel free to explore our website and find other valuable information. We offer a daily Bible reading plan that you can look into as well. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. If you have any other questions, Go ahead and call us at 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. Well, that's about all we have for today. We're so glad you took the time to listen to Pastor Bill today in the book of Judges. We'll catch you again as we look into a transforming word. Transforming Word.